everyone. Welcome to the Skeptically Inclined Science Podcast. Uh, we're on episode 50. Woo! Um, I'm Evan. And my name is Tom. And thank you for listening. And on today's episode, what are you going to talk about, Tom, for uh, for your news? Okay. So, Evan, first of all, I will, I will ask of you how much of uh, erotic zones on your body you can list because it is important to love yourself before yeah. you can love somebody else. It's a great, uh, great to- relevant topic for episode 50. <laughs> yes, self-love. And then uh, we're going to smoothly move into a male con- update on the male contraception because recently there was a paper released about um, yet another form of male contraception. And of course... We can't forget that on the 11th of February, there was a woman in science day. So I just want to give a shout out to uh, maybe some lesser known uh, female scientists, you know, other than your Marie Curie, Skłodowska and such. Yeah, cool. That's a great, great selection of topics to mention. On today's episode, I am going to discuss, again, also kind of relevant to... um, kind of to male contraceptive i'm going to use talk about um what are the ethics of using decades or possibly centrally century old sperm for egg fertilization and i'm also going to mention about the use of sperm from deceased men for inseminating women who who are who want to have kids who want to have children from um deceased men from their sperm um and just just kind of go into the ethics of all that and i thought it was kind of interesting to discuss so heavy heavy topics today <laughs> well it's kind of interesting thought-provoking but also you can laugh <laughs> so <laughs> i could that what we always do we though. cover all the bases as, as we do here on skeptically inclined um uh before we get into any discussion what is there anything you want to say about our 50th episode looking back quickly it's been it's been go going good although you know we decrease the frequency because i have other commitments these uh these days so Be positive um, positive what's positive memories baby okay so i've i, w- I have read m- much more papers than i normally would have yeah and I'm definitely, I definitely know more what's going on in the world of quote unquote science than I would normally do because I would just stay focused in my own field. But yeah, but thanks to thanks to this, I really have to broaden out my horizons. Although I still don't like going outside of the um, biology, <laughs> biology field. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But sometimes but it's when we it's, do. I suppose when it's your when you have such a big interest in it, it's hard, you find little things really interesting. Whereas chemists or physicists would find something that that small thing would be irrelevant to them whereas and Mm. then vice versa we wouldn't think something small is that um big of a deal and uh, And i think it's it's always nice when someone would stop me because sometimes people at work listen they'd be like oh that was a yeah interesting episode so that's always like nice yeah 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 and uh, i think it's been good to i know we started right in the pandemic and i think we were very covid focus but i did like that at the time because i really wa- found things interesting to talk about like but i hope that people have thought we've branched out and they've learned a thing or two through the podcast so yeah and maybe maybe on the personal note you know i've because like i've always seen myself as someone who like 
burns bridges, you know, with <laughs> other people. But like, thanks to this podcast, I really feel that together, me and you, we have built a beautiful bridge. Yeah. Bridge. That's joined our two To two ourselves or to banks. the audience? The to ourselves, like. Okay. And to the audience as well. Maybe the audience can try better building the bridge towards us. But, uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I think definitely, I feel like our friendship blossomed over the pandem- pandemic. It made it stronger, the podcast. It it's either going to make or break it. <laughs> <laughs> Close to breaking it, maybe. But it, co- it come out stronger. We did. We did. Um, yeah, so thanks for listening, for everyone who's... Uh, <laughs> who stuck it out for that long um, and uh, and the other thing I wanted to note before you give me this quiz on <laughs> homoerotica um, a, a, a rant if I, may, if I can yes you may yes you may please proceed well no because I know everyone at the moment except you Tom because we've been talking about this The Last of Us is out right now the oh, show yeah. <laughs> Why is it you're not watching it again? Because I'm not doing what everyone tells me to do. Like, oh, it's yeah. a great show. Watch it. No, I'm not. You have to do your own, make your own way. Yeah, um, I, w- I will watch it in two or three years. But like nowadays, I'm just like, I look at um, like reviews of the episodes online and it's like every episode now, it's like any actor who might be in it for an episode, they ha- people feel the need to be like, Hey, didn't this person actor nail their role in it? Can we get some appreciation for this per actor in this episode? And it's like I don't know why it just annoys me. It's like why do we need to like every time they just they do a good job, we have to like feel the need to uh like give I like I I do appreciate I do. I don't mind giving appreciation, but why is it that we feel the need to constantly be like, oh, if we don't give them uh, uh, positive feedback, they're going to end up being so sad about it. Like that, this need to constantly be like, oh, well, we need to tell them they did a good job or else they won't know. It's like, can we not just enjoy the acting, the episode, how it all went? I don't know. <laughs> just- oh, actually, wait. I, I guess you get it from Reddit, is it? Yes, from Reddit. So I, I think, I think there are just some people that they have a need to say something about something. So they, but they, like it's they like f- they need, they take anything little criticism personally for that actor, and it's like, why do you need to defend? I get defending kids maybe, but like they're they're a grown up person. You don't need to be like, oh, they're getting a little bit of hate. I need to put up a, an appreciation post for them. It's like. They're, they'll be fine as long they'll as they're not fine. getting bullied or, abs- or like death threats yeah I think they'll be fine I don't think you putting up an appreciation post is really going to matter to them <laughs> I'm yeah no I, I agree with you it's <clears throat> I, I I don't know about this because I, I don't go on that particular subreddit because I have no interest in that yeah. show but I um, I understand you know like sometimes but sometimes people think that they're doing the right thing by by saying such things, and yeah. you know, I suppose is it doing any harm? I'm just so it's just uh, annoying, is it? It's, it's just, just annoying it's just <laughs> because I think it's the volume of the of this post that you see one after the other, and you just and get tired of it, you know. And as well, it dilutes it as yeah. well because like if everyone's had a is brilliant, then like who, no one is. Yeah, but it's it's like but it kind of similar when I go on the UFC subreddit and like every second post is like how would this guy do versus this guy? How how would Prime this guy do versus this guy? And it's just like can we just stop with this because like it's just some non nonsensical yeah 
brain yeah. hypothesis. Yeah, it just doesn't make sense. Let's, but people feel the urge of like you know asking these questions. Yeah. And geez, I suppose God people get them. so attached now to everything. To everything. Yeah, yeah, because everything is over analyzed, over discussed. Yeah. So. Sh- yeah. Well, look, that, <laughs> that's the world we live in. You know. Yeah. So that was my. Uh, I wonder does anyone agree with or like people are like what what's wrong? God, he gets. He can gets you, upset can, can about not, something irrelevant. Yeah, can you not have, like, real-life problems? I know. Like, well, I can't, like, one people, like, people can relate to that. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's okay, Evan. Okay. We understand your pain. Yeah. But in the spirit of Valentine's Day, mm. you know, I hope you, I hope everyone listened to their Lewis Capaldi's and whatever else you love to listen to. More and like, uh, um, who, who's, uh... Who's a really depressing artist? <laughs> uh, Coldplay? Maybe Coldplay or uh, I don't know who's... Uh, anyway, someone... Tay-Tay? Yeah. Okay. But <laughs> look, uh, I always think, or I've rather I've learned, that before you can love someone, you have to love yourself first. Right, Evan? Isn't yes. that right? As, okay. Uh, every mainstream, the big Miley Cyrus song is like, I have to love myself now. So I'm on my own now that, um, so I'm actually interested, like how much of self-love do you know, Evan? And if you could name some of the male erogenous zones on yourself, but this is a different kind of love myself than, (laughs) than like love yourself. It's like, like trying to make love to yourself more than (laughs) when you fiddle with yourself. Lovely. Well, this okay. is definitely getting <laughs> flagged. <laughs> okay, go on. Okay, I just want to see how many you can you can list. Oh, you actually like there's no multiple choice or no. I just want you like straight from your head how many male erogenous zones you can list. I'm, I'm sure you can, can, you can give think me about... a note. How many is there? Okay, one, two, three, four, <laughs> five, six, seven, eight. <laughs> 9, 10, 11, 12, oh, 13, say. 14, 16. It's like that Friends episode. But it's a, it's, a front, it's a front and the back of the body. Okay. Yeah. It's like that Friends episode where uh, I think Monica's telling Chandler the pleasure points for women. And he's like, one, two, one, two, three. <laughs> I, kind of, I kind of got that from there. Yeah. Um, I, okay. I about- oh, like, I'm not getting all these. I say the testicles that one yeah that's one yeah your prostate is one I'd say. is it okay i can count that one yeah 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 well, so that's two the, the whole penis the penis yes obviously okay so that's three i don't know like where else do you have pleasure like <laughs> this is brilliant <laughs> Is it super obvious and I just can't? Come on, just give me, like, give me a body part that you think could... <laughs> Earlobes is not one. Ears, I can't ears. Yeah, yeah, brilliant. Mouth? Yeah. Yeah, well, lips for kissing. Yeah, yeah. lips. Toes? Some people are into that, is it? I, can I, I, I'm going to count feet. Feet. Oh okay. God. Well, then you might as well go hands at that stage. <laughs> Very well, yeah. <laughs> People get pleasure from hands. What the hell? Um, <laughs> I'm going to say nipples and say as well. Is that there is there nipples is there? Yeah, yeah. there they have a reason to be. Yeah, <laughs> it's like what isn't part of it? 
Oh, I'll, I'll give up then. What's the rest? Okay. Scalp. Scalp. Okay. Okay. Maybe, yeah. Because ASMR. Yeah. Uh, belly button. <laughs> like people getting love in that. Right? Belly no, button fluff. Belly button fluff. Uh, pubic hairline. Oh, uh, <laughs> Nape of neck. Uh, back, back of neck. Oh yeah. Lo- lower back, inner thigh, and yeah. the back of knee. Back of the knee. Yes. <laughs> oh my god. That's like Scott no. Pilgrim. <laughs> no, People there's get that. Couple bit more on the women body, but I think I'm gonna save this for next year. Okay. <laughs> and uh, I think want... you did pretty well. I oh, think you pretty did pretty good. Yeah. I yeah. think I think I think you know could, you know where to touch they, yourself. Can they all be covered in one night? <laughs> <laughs> I mean. It's 12 hours, technically, from, <laughs> let's say, from 8 to 8. So I suppose you can. Like, if you what? Try really I just, hard. like, don't understand. It's meant to be, like, putting your finger up and down the back of their knee. Like, oh, yeah, you like that, don't you? <laughs> especially especially when you say it like that. <laughs> yeah, you like that, yeah? Yeah, Evan. <laughs> I, think you, I think we nailed that one. I, yeah. think, uh, I think we can... That was brilliant. Thank you so much for participating in this no quiz. No worries. And I'm sure my enthusiastic voice definitely helped in uh, in the quiz. Yeah, I definitely. So we're not moving that far away from uh, yeah. from the uh, from this general topic. It of seems like this is the topic of the episode. I, I think that's good, though. I think we should celebrate Valentine's Day. It, was, uh, it only happened two days men, ago. In the men's part. Anyways. Yeah, we are recording it today on the 16th, so Valentine's was only two days ago. Um, okay, so back to the science news. Uh, it's going to be actually a flashback from episode 14 of season one, when we talked about male contraception and mm. why it is a rather tricky business. So as you might recall, Evan, testosterone is responsible for spermatogenesis. However, suppression of testosterone is linked with severe complications such as low sperm count, uh, accompanied by low sex drive, difficulty with erection, hair loss, loss of muscle mass, and to name a few. So it, literally, if you would look at me in the last three months, you would think I'm on a testosterone suppression <laughs> because I have a hair loss, loss of muscle mass, and to name a few. <laughs> name a few. We'll, we'll leave it at that. We'll leave it at that, um, yes. Yeah, so it is a tr- it's a tricky feedback loop to... Exactly. So if, if you reduce your testosterone, it's gonna even though you get reduced sperm counts, it has a lot of different other side effects. So exactly, it's difficult so, to have a drug for it. So as we discussed back there, uh, there were some alternatives and variations, such as special hormone suppressions with testosterone testosterone replacement. And although, as very often in science, these ideas seem grand on the paper and achievable when it comes to it, those men who went into clinical trials to see if uh, the contraceptive would work, they were uh, they were experiencing different types of side effects. Um, unfortunately, most current efforts to develop new contraceptives for men impact the sperm development, meaning that contraception requires months of continuous pretreatment. So that's another another kind of a downside to it because the the if you are a single man who enjoys his life and you know he likes to have a promiscuous lifestyle, you would want to have a contraceptive that is ready to go rather than yeah. taking something for weeks or months before 
the effect uh, kicks in. Um, <clears throat> so now no hormonal means of contraceptions are being researched or something, something much faster than, you know, trying to lower down your hormone levels. Uh, these include small molecule inhibitor against bromodomain testes specific protein. And that, that was shown to have reversibly suppressed spermatogenesis in mice. Another, another way, non-hormonal way of contraception is retinoic acid receptor antagonist. You, when used on mice, it's also rendered them reversibly sterile and it did by, uh, by blocking sperm production. However, as there's always a however, <laughs> uh, the retinoic acid receptors have also other functions and there are concerns that uh, chronic use may lead to undesirable side effects. And for example, we use the retinoic acid receptors in the retina uh, retinoic acid acts as a light sensing neuromodulator mm -hmm. and regulates yeah. gap junctions mediated coupling of retinal neurons. So not ideal because you just might go, might be so horny <laughs> you go blind. And uh, also there is a signaling in the immune system that involves the retinoic acid receptors. Yeah. And these pathways house both immunosuppressive role and are also involved in the immunoinflammatory responses. There is a role in hematopoiesis and in the bone remodeling. So altogether, it was a great idea, but there is too much of this retinoic acid receptor spread across the body. Did not know that before they did the experiment. <laughs> well, I suppose you got a chance. I suppose they chance. did, but you have to chance it, right? And it was shown <laughs> that it works in mice and then they went ahead with the, uh, with the longer treatment and there were the side effects. So, yeah. you know, you have to scratch that idea because technically you want to use uh, contraception. C contraception should be reversible, so you can use it on the multiple occasions, but like, you know, the more, the more you are exposed to it, the higher risk of developing side effects. So, uh, we're gonna now talk about the, the the findings in the paper, and the paper was published. Let me see. Actually, on the fourteenth of February. Oh. <laughs> so how uh, romantic? Uh, how romantic? And it's a it's a grand paper published in the Nature Communication. The title is "On-Demand Male Contraception Via Acute Inhibition of Soluble Ad Adenylyl Cyclase." So a mouthful. So we're gonna start our story with um, morphologically mature mammalian sperm are stored in the dormant state within the cauda epididymis. So basically, this is the this is the upper front of your testicles. There is a little there is a little pouch in there where the mature sperms are being stored, yeah. and when ready, they being released through yeah. the through the penis. And they are, they are there in the presence of bicarbonate at the ground concentration, 0 0.5 uh, micromol for anyone interested. So upon ejaculation, uh, the sperm is mixed with semen. And by doing so, it is exposed to higher level of bicarbonate, which stimulate activity of bicarbonate regulated soluble adenylyl cyclase. So now I'm going to refer to this as CAC. So the CAC dependent increase of cycling AMP is the initial signaling event that activates sperm motility and capacitation. So without that signal, your sperm is kind of rendered immobile. So you actually, right. you need that CAC for the little runners to actually run or the little to swimmers mature. to swim. 
No, they already are mature, but they need that CAC to to become mobile. Motile. Oh, yeah, okay. mobile. Mobile. Yeah. Is that yeah. the right so, word? Mobile. Well, I would say mobile. Yeah, mobile, not mobile. <laughs> so uh, yeah, so they already so there's a, there's already mature sperm in your testicles, and upon ejaculation, there is an increase of of this uh, bicarbonates and this CAC-dependent increase of cycling IMP uh, promotes the sperm motility, promotes the sperm mobility, therefore they can swim to the target, right? Yeah. So that's important to know. Uh, so this, this ability to move for sperm is a prerequisite for sperm to attain fer fertilizing capacity because they have to get to the egg, that's the role. So the scientists looked at, at uh, a mice model that had a, a CAC uh, gene knocked out and they noticed that these mice were uh, sterile. Right. Because the sperm was not mobile. And what's more, they, uh, they also found men who were um, homozygous, uh, who had the homozygous deletions for the uh, ADCY10 gene, which right. is responsible for uh, coding the um, SAC. Were sterile as well. And these men were also sterile. Mm. So now they had the idea, wow, can we, can we make it reversible rather than a per 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 permanent uh, sterile phenotype? But there is more to it. Phenotypic history of the SAC knockout mice and the man with the SAC null phenotype shows that only only prolonged exposure to the lack of CAC uh, results in the side effects. Right. So there is there is a side effects to it. That's all. That's a, like negative side of it, but only through a prolonged exposure to the lack of this of this okay. uh, CAC. So this would not be the case in the case of contraception. Uh, this would only be induced for maximum a day. So the team of researchers target an enzyme called soluble adenylcyclase. Across several different tests, the researchers showed that a compound which blocks the enzyme renders mice, renders mice sperm immobile in 30 minutes to an hour. So you take a pill and after 30 minutes to one hour, ah. your sperm becomes immobile. Right. So even that if that fast, that's fast. So when you ejaculate <clears throat> on the paper and as in shown in this paper, your, your sperm because becomes immobile. So you wow. can't, so they can't get into the fallopian tube to fertilize the egg. So the compound was 100% effective in preventing pregnancy within the first two hours. But this is in mice though, is it? Well, this, this, this study just came out from mice, yeah. Okay, yeah. So uh, after two hours, there's 100% protection against pregnancy. So you take a pill. Yeah, yeah. Let's say you wait the one hour, and if you have the intercourse after that one hour, within the, within the time bracket of two hours, it was shown that there's 100%, uh, the, 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 the females didn't get pregnant, basically. 100% chance yeah. that you didn't get yeah. pregnant. This dropped to 91% in the first three hours. Wow. And, uh, and after 24 hours, the mice sperm moved like normal again. So, so it's, a, it's a transient effect. It wears off. Yeah, it's reversible. And, uh, you know, 90% effectiveness, that's, I think that's still high because, you know, most of the men would use uh, condoms. And they also don't have a 100% uh, yeah, protection yeah. rate, right? Yeah. So I think this is, 
this is something to look out for and mm. uh, you know it's not as invasive as vasectomy yeah yeah and i yeah yeah but so, the way you were talking before i was like oh this is even so far off and now you're like oh they have something that's within an hour or yeah. 30 minutes yeah like it could work well let's always be on the side of cautious so let's say let's say that one hour you have to you have to but wait, the only okay? thing i way i would say it has like it's not like other drugs where they can charge really high fees that have to be really cheap for even anyone to want to use it um yes but i suppose it yeah like for people who don't want to wear condoms you know and you know no side effects were noticed in the mice yeah um i and just know people are so especially with fertility Mm-hmm. they'd be very like oh i don't want to we don't i don't want to get my have, have my sperm i want to have kids we don't know i don't know and what do you like, mean it, sorry because what do you more, mean? i didn't because, get that at all because like what they might be more skeptical of the the drug because it's going to affect their fertility because the sperm is affected and they'd be like oh well i won't be able to have kids in the future um that's the way they might see it and it might not be used because of that compared to like other drugs which are like for dr- generally for disease or for okay stuff like that. okay but you know i just don't think that it is a a strong argument i think it's i think it would be nice to have a more options for men oh i'm not saying it should i'm not saying i'm not saying i would dis- i agree with yeah. that i'm just saying it has I, to I be mean, um a lot of work done to let oh, you don't have to convince ev- every single every single man right and some and some some are looking forward to it because you know maybe they maybe they have um allergies to latex and yeah. stuff like that um the researchers hope that the first human trials could be started within three years so that's i think that's very um optimistic outlook on it you know to kind of move it, mo- it would move very quickly but um you gonna you know when you when you think back to these things we were discussing on our episode 14 there was this form of gel male contraception contraception was nesteron i think it was called and um it, that that seemed very promising but then again it was really it, it really resonated well with men who were already in uh, relationships yeah yeah that was because fun. Yeah, because you know it was a, it was a form of a gel that would take a couple of weeks to months before the effect could be could be uh, recognized. That's and, true. And then they were also it would also be involved like a sperm count at some point because you know you have to know exactly when when the uh, when the sperm is being uh, reduced because all of the other contraceptions work on the basis of uh, 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 inhibiting production of sperm. Yeah. So you need time for for all these um, loads to be depleted, yeah. And then and then you basically you're empty out. Whereas here you don't really care whether the sperm is there or not because what you do you just you just make them immobile, immobile. yeah. For yeah, for I a do period think of time. In the, well, yeah. So I do think it would be useful for them who don't really care. Yeah, but I just think um, they'd have to be definitely shown that it's not going to affect that men can get can still their sperm can still be used to get with people women pregnant after. when they want to get pregnant yeah that would yeah. be the big thing that they established that for sure that there's no significant yeah. long-term effects because like we all seen with covid all this stuff about fertility so 
but that might have been just yeah well it's any, not good let's not that get to, into that now they were just kind of using that to get any they were using any example to be honest yeah. uh, um i think i think that's a nice idea i think it takes some of the burden away from from women because uh, um you know you would really it's unfortunate that it's being taught that like it's it women who always go on a pill and it's like kind of their responsibility yeah yeah and no, uh, definitely it's it's nice and the, ma- the men can't use they can't use an excuse like oh what i can't do anything like yeah if there is anything there because you can because there are some men that are trying to scam the way through it and they'll be like oh i'm allergic to latex or like this and that and you know just to kind of but at the same just, time i i know it, at the end of the day it's still gonna be the woman who's gonna have to like Oh my god, Evan! Please don't say that because I I don't I don't know why you are so negative. Like I think, I think it's a moment to celebrate that you know. No, but I, at the end of the day, I know a lot of women are going to end up still going to have to take. They'll be still very skeptical, or they'll end up the guy won't take it, and they're going to have to do it themselves anyway. I'm just trying to be a realist about it. Like, I mean, I think I think for the hookups, if I can say it that way, I don't know if that's okay yeah. to say for the so for the hookups i think when when you when you put on the condom that's the most because that's the visible visible thing that you you can see that there is some sort of contraception on like because even if if the lady says to you like oh i'm on the hormonal contraception like there's no way you can verify that right yeah same so I with like, a guy if he yeah. was taken it. yeah so if yeah so you you know at least when you when you put on the condom like you see that there is the, the the protection is there like there is like yeah. this visual confirmation of it like no there is obviously there has to be some degree of trust when yeah when you say to someone that like look it's it's okay i'm i'm on the pill or whatever so maybe that you know maybe people can become more trustworthy towards each other or such or maybe if you have a you're not exactly in a relationship but like you you have this arrangement with with the friend or something like that you know then and you trust each other so that's that's another solution but i think these um these things are really designed for uh for kind of couples you know that yeah no no i i do 100 percent agree because like, with with the hookups you also people. want to protect yourself from the sexually transmitted yeah. diseases and and pills don't do that you really have to you really have to wear wear a condom so yeah no so I, I don't think, think it'd be useful in people are in relationships and yeah like as you mentioned, they were already arrangements. Yeah, yeah. So I think I think that was that was interesting because yeah, it, it's definitely. been it's a different take on it. Rather yeah. than you know killing the sperms, let's try to immobilize them, and and that just shows again that you can you can really approach a problem from different angles. Yeah, and you you and this this is just an example of how creative science can be. That it's just it's not only like one way to stop something. Like there's so many different ways that happens. You know, from the sperm production towards ejaculation, that you know, because so, there's gotta yeah, be a way. <laughs> there's gotta be the way. Because so far, it was only like you either kill the sperm cells or you physically b- block them. So you're actually targeting these two, two extremes or on, on this on the spectrum of events that on that happens, right? Yeah. And now they're trying to target something in be- in between, like so, something completely different. So I just I just like these things because again, it just shows how you can hijack the system and 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 take advantage of it for yourself yeah yeah definitely so that was a uh, yeah so um that was my uh that was my little scientific news about the um, male Sperm. contraception and yeah so this time we're not killing we're just making them immobile <laughs> yeah so 
I think I did. and so so that's it. And uh, yeah, maybe you want to tell me your 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 news right yeah, now. Yeah. So speaking of speaking of following up on a story, so you followed up there on the uh, male contraceptive. So I wanted to follow up on then another story that uh, we have covered. And I've I know I've mentioned it multiple times, but the origins of COVID. Oh so, wow. You didn't see that coming. (laughs) So the World Health Organization has abandoned plans for a crucial second phase of COVID origin investigation. So I think we had mentioned we'd like, oh, we'll keep following up if anything else comes of it. So now the World Health Health Organization has quietly shelved the second phase of its much anticipated scientific investigation into the origins of COVID-19 citing ongoing challenges over attempts to conduct critical studies in China. Researchers are say that they are disappointed that the vest- investigation isn't going ahead because understanding how the coronavirus SARS-CoV-2 first infected people is important for preventing future outbreaks. But without access to China, there's not really much that can be done. So um, I think we had talked about... Um, I might maybe just to give a quick rundown if people haven't uh, followed what the world, what the first investigation was. Mm-hmm. Um, in January 2021, an international team of experts convened by the World Health Organization traveled to Wuhan, China, where the virus that had caused COVID-19 was first detected. And together with Chinese researchers, the team released evidence on when and how the virus might have emerged as part of phase one. So the team released a report in March that year outlining four possible scenarios the most likely being that SARS-CoV-2 had spread from bats to people possibly through uh, intermediate species and phase one was designed to lay the groundwork for a second phase of in-depth studies to pin down exactly what had happened in China um, so they were trying to pin down a timeline of the virus's initial spread and this included this includes efforts to trap bats in regions bordering in China in search of viruses closely related to SARS-CoV-2 um, experimental studies to help narrow down which animals are susceptible to the virus and could be hosts and testing of uh, archive wastewater and blood samples collected around the world in late 2019 and early 2020 but the researchers say now that too much time has passed to gather some of the data needed to pinpoint where the virus originated so so that ship ship has sailed yeah um they in I think in the 2021 March report, the team concluded that it was an extremely unlikely that the virus accidentally escaped from a lab, but the inclusion of the lab incident scenario in the final report was a key point of contention for Chinese researchers and officials. And that July, the World Health Organization sent a circular to member states outlining how it was planned to advance origin studies. Proposed steps include ass- assessing wild animal merits around Wuhan and the farms that supplied these markets, as well as audits of labs in the areas where the first cases were identified. But the Chinese officials rejected these plans, taking particular issue with the proposal to investigate lab breaches. Uh, and it wasn't; they said it wasn't agreed by all member states, and that the second phase should not focus on pathways the remission report had already deemed extremely unlikely. So. They weren't really going to get access to what was necessary. So the World Organization, World that, Organization has... Sorry, can you say again? So it just basically, they've just left it as inconclusive. They can't really say much more, which is crazy to think because the world has changed so much in that two years. And uh, it's actually nearly three years now 
around this time when the cases were first reported in Europe and so, <laughs> we still have no idea. So I don't want to turn this into a, a political podcast. Yeah. But quite recently, I've rewatched this HBO miniseries called Chernobyl. Oh, yeah. And it was very clear that the political system in charge at the time of the Soviet Union was very keen on suppressing any sort of information to be released right. to the uh, outside world about the causes of the explosion and the source of the radiation that has been spreading across the Europe. And, you know, this is a little bit like comparing maybe apples to oranges, not quite the same, mm. yet still somehow... A lot of parallels. A lot of parallels. We also have a, a certain political system in place, mm. governing system in place, that is trying very hard to suppress any sort of negative yeah. information that would cast a negative light um, on their own society or system, like, you know? So yeah. this is what we are working with, and I think... I think nobody is surprised that we can't get to the bottom of that. Oh, yeah. It's, it's, um, but it's just a pity. Um, scientifically speaking, it's a pity because now we just, we don't know. We have assumptions, but assumptions are not facts. And, and you, can't, you, can't, you can't build anything solid on assumptions. And, you know, from like a sociopolitical and, so, and social, for soci, social structures, like it also would be nice to know these things and, yeah, because if you know the source, you can you can you can prevent you can prevent it, you can protect it better against against it for the next time, you know. Yeah, yeah. So it, let's hope it, that next pandemia will happen in the free market, <laughs> not in China, <laughs> but well, it's I, always in these countries. Um, and I speaking of, I think the World Health Organization are coming together again to try and uh, plan for the next pandemic. What needs to be done different for the next outbreak and i suppose they want to have better plans in place but they're like oh we need more cooperation um, and i think they definitely want the the world world health organization to be have more like po like power to implement public health measures i suppose um but like that's not gonna how work would in you China, go about like, that yeah like, i don't uh, know it, it seems great in theory but like we all seen when, when it hit the fan yeah, like there's no such a concept of international law and yet you imagine there is going to be international uh, organization that can implement their or enforce their own regulation upon different countries. Uh, the people had a problem staying at home during COVID and you think they will agree that there is some uh, yeah. some organization above everyone else? Yeah, like. yeah. <laughs> George Soros. <laughs> He's okay, over. like, no, I'm not, I'm not signing my name under that. I'm sorry. Um, but... Yeah, it's just I just think it's crazy. It's it's like insane. I don't think people really are talking about it enough that the biggest science event of the last two years, like in the last hundred years, maybe maybe that's not it's not that extreme, and we don't know where it came from. We don't know how we prevent it in the future, and it's like we don't know what what was the intermediate. It's just. And not because of lack of trying, it's because no, someone it just, like purposely stood in the way. Yeah. Well, someone oh, just, as an entire country. It's, and it's and then like, and it's gonna happen again. Like I, de it's definitely gonna happen again. And I'm like, where, why are we gonna go from this? Like, I really think nothing is learned. I think 
people are even gone more extreme the other way so maybe we should uh, turn our heads toward you know elon musk and actually start thinking about colonizing mars just or <laughs> moon just to get away from this place you know because if something's yeah. gonna hit it's gonna hit yeah <laughs> get that bunker ready yeah uh, so let's forgive his transgression and pump all the money into spacex prob- yeah, programs yeah. so that was all i wanted to mention about my news so on that great note <laughs> that gr- that great question mark um let's again smoothly transition into another topic that i would like to mention and i um, give a shout out 11th of february evan do you know what that day was well, you told me International uh, Woman Day in Science, Science Woman. Yeah, maybe Woman maybe Day. maybe don't say it with a question mark at the end. Just be very confident. It the was inter- International Woman Woman Day in Science. Yes, brilliant. Okay. So we, um, I think it's very much needed because science has been um, populated by men from the start for you know various reasons, but definitely not because women cannot do science. They were quite frankly obstructed um, in that way so they couldn't they couldn't flex that muscle but hopefully but now they can and uh, even when I look back into my time in college I had many great lecturers many of them were were females and I I've learned a lot from them so shout out to all the uh, faculty staff (laughs) at the GMIT that's where I did my bachelor and of course loads of female lecturers present in the Trinity College Dublin. I did my master's there. So, and I'm here, even now here in Radboud, I'm, I'm surrounded by very talented colleagues as well. So uh, you don't even, you can't even, uh, you shouldn't even be in their presence. Well, I'm not, I'm not gonna degrade myself that much. Like I think I'm good enough to, to to be in their presence, but Mm. it's the representation, the representation is there, which is great to see. But I just, uh, I, I have found maybe three female scientists that um, are, as far as I know, they are not with us anymore. Uh, but I just want just want to list them because, you know, everybody knows they're Marie Koroska, Skodowska, Curie, but maybe, maybe there's there is more than just one female scientist that, yeah. that is out, out there, right? So uh, have you seen about Rosalind Franklin? Yeah, I know Rosalind Franklin. Yes. So she contributed to the discovery of the structure of DNA. She was a British chemist. She was born in 1920. And in 1950, uh, during her research, she discovered that there were two forms of DNA and she was offered a three-year three scholarship to undertake further investigation on King's College London. She, there, she deducted the basic dimensions of DNA strand and the likely helical structure. She also found that when DNA is exposed to high level of moistures, its structure changed. In March 1958, Rosaline passed away at the age of 37, so extremely young, and and already by that age she has accomplished so much in science. I'm six years away and, you know, I'm not that accomplished. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, so she passed away from a several illness, uh, including ovar- ovarian cancer. In 1962, the Nobel Prize in Physiology or and Medicine was awarded to James Watson, Francis Crick, and Maurice Wilkins for solving the structure of DNA. And later on, Watson suggested that Rosalind, along with Wilkins, should be awarded the Nobel Prize for Chemistry. But the Nobel Committee does not make posthumous nominations. So, mm. you know, look at it whatever way you want to. 
some people say she was uh, skipped or treated unfairly, but nevertheless, a strong female model. But the, uh, I suppose model. The, the way, like, not to diminish anything she did, I suppose that they, she got the X-ray, this famous X-ray image of the DNA, and I think from that, the Watson and Crick were able to, to figure out because they were trying to find the structure and yeah, her discoveries were fundamental in, in yeah. the way they were able to put together their the uh, dna model yeah yeah, yeah. so they kind of it, it through her they were able to figure it out like she wouldn't have figured it out she might have By figured her, it out eventually well but they she would, was but the, the, they weren't able to figure out it without her she wasn't yeah, able to fairness, figure it yeah, out without them. together yeah but i suppose the, obviously they made it seem like they were able to, to figure it out without her help at the time it's, and then at the time well then when the milk was spilled when we we can all carry our grievances with us till today <laughs> but but let's let's not let's recognize her for the great scientist she was yeah. and and her and her contributions even though um she is not with us anymore and she can't know how much we appreciate her work another lady is dorothy hodgkin uh discovered the structure of insulin and we oh. all know how important insulin is in the, in in the world of the diabetes. So she was born in 1910, and she attended a state secondary school where only boys were allowed to study chemistry. But she fought the system to be enrolled. So that already shows a great spirit and initiative. She obtained her PhD from Cam Cambridge in 1936 and undertook research mapping the architecture of cholesterol and examining the structure of penicillin essentially to creating a synthetic version of it. Her work led to many industrial contracts and from the 1950 onwards, she focused her research on the structure of insulin, building the first model of the insulin molecule. In 1964, Dorothy won the Nobel Prize for Chemistry for her deter determinations by X-ray techniques of the structure of important biochemical substances. She was only the third woman at the time to have won Nobel Prize for Chemistry after Marie Curie and her daughter Irene, and the fifth woman to win a science Nobel Prize. So again, uh, shout out to Dorothy. Uh, Dorothy. I think uh, I think it's important to yet uh, yet again uh, acknowledge her successes and uh, and how important her work was for uh, for a countless number of people who suffer from diabetes right now. So. Um, have have her in your mind the next time you're gonna shoot yourself with insulin <laughs> uh, i know i'm kind off. of like i'm kind of saying this jokingly but yeah i they are role models and we shouldn't we should not forget that and the last person that i would like to mention and then we'll be able to move on to your story a disgusting story about sperm cell evan uh, we want to talk right now about katrin johnson you might know her from the movie hidden figures oh yeah she was, she was one of the NASA human computers. Katrin Johnson was a, a mathematician who worked for NASA's early space mission, and she died only in 2020 at the ripe age of 101. Uh. She, solved she was solving equations by hand during NASA's early years. Herself and other black women uh, initially worked in the racially segregated computing union in Hampton, Virginia. Uh, but that was not that was officially dissolved uh, and made into a NASA into 1958. But I just want to point out the fact that they already had to know how smart she was and how good with maths she was, and yet still they were seeing uh, 
uh, Afro-Americans as the secondary type yeah. of people over there. It's just, the, you contradict yourself, like, you know? Like, it's... But never, okay. Mm. In 1961, Johnson did trajectory analysis for Alan Shepard's Freedom 7 mission, the first to carry an American into a space. The next year, she manually verified the calculation of a NAS nascent NASA computer, an IBM 7090, which plotted John Glenn's orbits around the planet. So she was doing all of this uh, heavy duty maths work, uh, just in her head on the piece of paper, Whereas everything now is done by computer and even mm -hmm. I use my calculator for just the simple verification of a six by four, definitely 24, like, you know, that kind of way. So is again, one plus one, definitely two. Is it that I just need that uh, digital confirmation. So um, yeah, so another great role model showing that, you know, women not only find themselves in the in, 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 in the stems, in the fields of biology and chemistry, but also in this heavy duty, uh, fields that are like maths and physics, which are usually for some reason associated with, you know, men. So I just thought it was important to, the, this, the, the list goes on and on, but yeah. you know, we only have a limited time to talk about these things. So um, yeah, just, um, I think it's important and we should celebrate every, every 11th of September as a, not as a men celebrating women in science, but as a scientific community celebrating successes of women and, and promoting, promoting them even more and more and more. So that's yeah. on that note, I would like to finish. Yeah, that's fair play Tom. I think it's the main problem is, isn't it? That just to get equal promotions um, for women in, in STEM that yeah. a lot of the time the people at the higher at the higher um positions it's mostly men so mostly men with very rigid ideas that have been imprinted on them since 1930s or whatever <laughs> like you know but hopefully wow. with, hopefully with <laughs> you want to you want to you want to destroy the patriarchy is that it i'm not gonna reinvent the wheel i'm gonna break the wheel <laughs> uh, quoting khaleesi but no i think uh, you know with the new wave of young scientists coming in and you know these young people will have to take uh, at some point the leading roles um in in different departments they will have to become the heads of departments at some stage and hopefully uh, we will see a, a change um a normalization that where you know both women and men will have equal chances to to get into these highly prestigious and esteemed positions because it, it's only a right way to do it. That's, you know, th yeah. there's nothing more to it. It's just the right way uh, it should be done. Yeah, yeah. That's okay. what I think. Yeah. Thanks, Tom. Thanks no for that. No problem, no problem. <laughs> um, perfect. That then brings me to ours, my, my main story. I don't think, it's not going to be a hugely long one. I think we've covered a lot already Yeah. in this episode. We're nearly at a, like an hour. Flying. Huh? We flying. We flying, yeah. Um, so much to talk about. I suppose last time it was because I did a highlights of science to come. So mm. um, if you haven't checked that out, please check it out. But uh, <laughs> yeah, just there's a lot happened that we want to cover. Anyways, so on to the main story. Oh, I'm so excited for it. <laughs> Sperm. What is it? What? What? No, you've done a great job already of kind of I think explaining it. So I just seen an interesting um story and i wanted to delve further into the whole impl the implications but the ethics of maybe using decades or possibly century old century old sperm for egg fertilization and then post 
humorously using sperm um for egg fertilization as well and what 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 the applications could be of that so in the uk right now i'm using the uk as an advantage sure. they have a lot more info than ireland <laughs> maybe um there is actually a shortage of donor sperm and very various explanations for this exist but and that includes it being intrusive time consuming and it carries future uncertain uncertainty um but even if there are surplus donor sperm the need goes beyond quantity people using sperm donor sperm also desire donors with certain characteristics which is particularly important to people as well from minority groups so we all know like would you ever donate sperm <laughs> i think i've asked this before uh gee oh i think i would be oh because i wanted to say that i'd be more happy to to, to like donate it to a friend if a friend would ask me but now yeah. that i think of it i don't think i would do no yeah, i don't yeah. well i don't know do you have a, like a social resp- do you have like an ethical or social responsibility to donate sperm well, like they, if they want, they can contact you. That's that's the law now. Like so, uh, if you donate, there's always a chance that they can reach out, want to know you, and and you could be I, like I, not ready at all for that. So I, I think, think I have to spend a little bit more time to answer this question truthfully. But it, I don't know. It's it because it's someone will use it to make a child, and you yeah. will have a you will have a child in the world. Yeah, yeah. And so I see I don't know. as yeah. well. It's. A lot, I suppose, and going on with this as well, like a lot of the time people want, desire certain donors and a lot of the time I think the donors are people, particularly in the US, I think are poor, need the money, do whatever they can. Because you get paid for you get paid donations. For yeah, okay. exactly. So now, so there's a shortage of donor, donor sperm. Now a change in the law in the UK has paved the way for more babies to be born from sperm frozen up to 50 years ago but experts are saying there is no scientific reason why sperm hundreds of years old cannot be used so at the end of october 2022 a boy was born using sperm frozen in 1996 collected when his father was diagnosed at age 21 with hodgkin's lymphoma in case his treatment caused infertility so described as a miracle by his now 47 year old father the baby is close to holding the record for the largest the longest gap between sperm collection and birth he was beaten by a baby boy in the u.s using a 27 year old sperm so when his sperm was frozen he thought it would only be viable for 10 years um, although experts say the technology for freezing sperm has been around for decades prior to a law change in the summer meat such as eggs and sperm could only be stored for 10 years with occasional exceptions made for people with fertility problems this has now been extended to 55 years but as a, a professor of andrology said there's no real medical limit there's no real medical reason for this limit like this it seems like it can be used much longer i suppose is it liquid nitrogen how do they do yeah it is it's true liquid liquid nitrogen that they freeze the sperm and like they are able to um thaw or like process it back back to life Mm -hmm. and there's no reason like it doesn't have serious long-term effects to do that so and i suppose they do some they do some like 
gene expression on it some check for like some epigenetic changes yeah but at the moment i don't know how much research they've done into that um it just seems that they've if they're if they desire it they can still use it there's no limit why not to do it um the legal 55 year limit has nothing to do with the shelf life or of sperm or for any other scientific it's more to do what well parliamentarians felt was right for society uh, but since frozen sperm are effectively in suspended animation once they are frozen it doesn't seem like there's any reason why they couldn't be kept for hundreds of years if the law allowed it um, there is not meant to be any health risks from using older sperm although the only long-term studies are in the cattle breeding industry where sperm from prize bulls are kept in storage for much longer than we typically keep human sperms for without any obvious problems after it so that's i suppose one thing you'd be like okay well how we're using cattle as an example to show let's not use cattle as an example (laughs) for humans um but yeah studies examining the long-term impact would struggle to receive funding because most people think there is no evidence for likely harm like why would it significantly affect it uh, and it, it would need to be carried out on a global scale. So it would be hard, they reckon, to get funding for this. Because, again, pe- most people would be like, oh, well, why would you bother use older sperm? You can just get any other sperm that's available in these donor clinics. So, But there is a shortage. Isn't that the, the whole reason of, I suppose of, that of is keeping th- the sperm longer? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that is, that's true. I suppose I think at the moment, the most likely people using this is... Pe- um, and I'll get into it further on, but it's more people who thought they they would put it into storage if they were undergoing treatment for cancer or something like that. Mm-hmm. And then they use it when it's older, when they got older and they wanted to have kids, they went to these fertility clinics and they got their old uh, specimen. Um, but anyways, this is only in sperm, I suppose. So um, theoretically, you should have a limit that they would be able to be able to use their sperm at but i don't know you don't know i've seen a lot older guys getting with a lot younger girls so it's something that has to be thought about anyways um so while conserving sperm for decades could theoretically enable children to be born from historical figures this would not be possible for in the uk at present where the law prevents the creation of a sperm market and limits its use to 10 families per donor so this is the (laughs) Sorry, this what is does the this way mean? it is going now that it could possibly happen that I don't know Elon Musk's sperm or some faint Brad Pitt sperm or could be put Your on the sperm. market to be used that people could buy, but at the moment that's not illegal. Yeah, but like but someone would have to get that sample first. Uh, yeah, but like, like they you, would have to willingly go in and donate it. Well, if right? they did, yeah. Well, but that's kind of Elon Musk would would not how kids he has. I don't think I can relate to brain functions of Elon Musk, so I I don't I don't know what he would do. But but like, what is the problem? Like, what is if if the sperm is is uh, sound scientifically sound? Well, is it ethically right to be using uh, uh like these generational discrepancy where a younger sibling? is born from sperm older than that of their siblings with 
whom they might have a 40 year age gap. In this case, the children might end up with elderly fathers or who had died by the time of the child's 18th birthday. Um, and it would be also important that long-term well-being studies are needed if the use of older sperm was to become more common, including on the emotional imp- impact of having a dead biological father and on general health. If very okay. old sperm was used, for example, from 250 years previously, this could raise ethical questions, he said, because society and people's genomes may have changed radically. As well, that's like the okay, extreme okay, end. That, okay, that I can see but like yeah because sperm freezing only began in 1950s so there's no way you're gonna get like a sperm from from the 19th century at the moment no but like this is uh, uh, um this sperm like because before this as well Mm -hmm. there was no such thing as like a sperm market or sperm right um, because they could only keep it for 10 years but now like there's no limit and as i said uh the world's the world's first Nobel Prize winner had a sperm bank and that was closed. So like people are going to be spending much, mo- loads of money because they'll be like, oh, I want to have my kid to be yeah, a but Nobel like what Prize exactly, winner. What exactly would be wrong with that child? It's not going to be... <laughs> I just... I just I, I you don't, don't think there's any ethically I don't thing think wrong so. with it? No, no. I mean, that person... If they want to do it. That person has donated the sperm, right? Let's say they did. Let's say that person died. So the donor is dead. The sample is still somewhere in the in the vault. Um, and it's just an ordinary, ordinary, regular Joe. No one, no one famous. No one, nobody. Oh yeah, gonna... but that's fine. I don't yeah, think that's then, a big thing. And then there thing, is a couple. I'm just saying, if it's someone famous or smart, how much pressure does that put on a kid? And they never will ever get to know. But their why real do they father. have to know? Because I think they they say it is really like I've heard uh, anecdotally now that even with um, kids who are, are born and their dads in jail, mm-hmm. it's still actually more they're but useful for the child to meet their dad in jail than not meeting them at all. And like there's always but see, the that, way the way I thought about it is I was thinking more in the lines of there is an, if they have an, a dad there already. Couple, if there is an infertile couple and they're trying to get pregnant and let's say the guy uh, uh, is just infertile because he has a uh, that null phenotype of that particular gene that makes sperm immobile right? yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, for example let's and and they just you know and there is shortages in sperm but they say like look we have this sample from 50 70 years ago grand but then at the same time i think uh, this is coming back into my uh was it fertility fraud episode <laughs> If you want to listen to that, I I highly recommend it. It's about uh, a doctor who inseminated people with his own sperm rather than, um, or uh, yeah, his own sperm to yeah. make most or try and get the women pregnant. Um, so many people in that were da- damaged, or their kids. They were so. I suppose if the parents are open about it, maybe it'd be okay. But I'm still always think that the kid will be always questioned about. Who am I? What? Where do I come from? Are these these donors that they're getting from famous people? How much health risk do they even know or aware of? I suppose in that sense there should be more. I suppose there would be more so you, uh, awareness of um, the problems. So you think that medical problems? So you think that you think that the parents' desire to have a children is 
is is not should not be fulfilled because as a consequence the child might suffer from some psychological <laughs> no, issues I, yeah no i not not like that extreme i suppose um i think they should be able to choose um i suppose no, i don't i don't know i don't really know what's the right way is it i don't think there is a right i don't think there, there's an answer right yeah i i i i suppose maybe to give the choice and not put it on the black market is the maybe the better choice than than people being yeah, able to buy. Don't buy sperm from the <laughs> black market. Just no. Just don't do it. If you but ever think that you, you want to buy it, a it sperm, be a vi- so it, no matter how old it is and who it is, they can always get that sperm. <laughs> like if someone, I like think, Hitler. I think it should not. It should not be this. I don't know. I don't really know how the process works, but I, I would imagine that it's. A name should not be given of the donor. Like you can get like the maybe the mm. physiological traits, like you know, blonde hair. Um, oh god, I was just gonna describe an Aryan <laughs> race, but like you know, black black hair, uh, uh, brown eyes, six six foot six foot three, uh, yeah, that's, brown that's eyes. That's actually true. That you is know? true. But then, if there's no, yeah, uh, okay, I I don't but, like, know. You also, but like you also when you. When the, when the couple decides to have a to have a child, like it's a bit of a lottery, right? You like you 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 as a male could be a genius, and you know your child might come out like half witted or something like that. Mm. Yeah, no, that's I'm so just, the, I think the main thing is is that if this is means this law change means that theoretically anyone who gives sperm now their sperm could be used who knows how further far into the future, and we just don't know if what will come of it will there be a huge demand that they'll be like oh if you give if a celebrity gives sperm theoretically they can have a child for how long in the future and it's just um is that a right thing to do i don't know uh it's just something i just don't think it should ever be disclosed who is the donor it shouldn't be but i i still think if this is the case when they open this um they open this can of worms that they can yeah. o- it does so there's no limit on how long it can be kept so people be like well if there's no limit i could should be, what, I, what if i want this person surely you, i can find a way of getting but you it you will never you should never have an option to pinpoint like oh i want this this person by name because i know that person but has done it sperm you just don't know if they're sorry you go <laughs> it'd be an insane criminal organization to go into um but theoretically it could happen where uh, lads will be snatched from the streets and <laughs> the samples will be taken of them <laughs> uh, I don't I don't know Evan I think you're living in a weird world inside your yeah, head yeah 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 I, I don't um, no I'll be honest with you I don't see anything wrong with it but at the same time I know so little about sperm donation process and mm-hmm. the et- ethical and moral uh, issues surrounding it that you know, just me by saying I don't see anything wrong with it might be just the might be just the fact that I literally don't know enough about okay. moral and, and okay. ethical implications. Okay, so well, maybe move on to my next thing and then let's see okay. if this is okay. So, okay, if you're okay with this, so I'm okay with so that. Not yeah. o- 
<laughs> so not only decade old sperm, it is also possible to do post-mortem sperm donation. So it's technically possible for a man's sperm to be extracted after his death and made available to strangers sinking sperm. But would it be ethical? As I love to discuss here. Uh, in some countries, Germany, Italy and Sweden and Canada, among others, the procedure is banned. But in the US, re- regulations vary by state. The practice is reserved mostly for widows who can attest that their husband wanted kids this way. So the American Society for Reproductive Medicine adopted guidelines that included that stipulation and a one-year waiting period before the sperm can be used. So one of the more uh, famous cases occurred in 2014 when a New York City police officer was killed and his widow had a sperm retrieved and gave birth to a daughter. Um, a Pentagon spokesperson says the US military doesn't cover the procedure on its health benefits and it's declined to say whether the armed forces follow the society's guidelines. So, And then there was a, there's a company called PMSR Network um, it used the initials for postmortem sperm retrieval. Jesus. It, <laughs> it, off, it began offering services last year in California and it has 27 physicians who can get to a body at a moment's notice and are trained in the procedure. Um, there's a guy who works in that company. He estimates that several dozen children have been born in the US this way. He said, we turn down most requests because they don't fit our guidelines. The biggest issue is intent evidence that the man would have wanted children in this way so what do you think of this first of all i would like to say that any any child born dad or any or other or other way through the sperm donation deserves to live and should be loved for for who he or she is so that's just to put it out of the way you know um the first thing when when i when when you were saying this story the first thing that came to my head was um every lad that lives in the state that this procedure is is allowed by law. He should have uh, a card the same way you carry a donor or oh, donor card. card. You should have this that a like sperm donor card. That so I shouldn't I, laugh. It's like but only but I only see a sense of this when when it is your partner that collects the donation in a, uh, in the field of speech. Partner, not yeah, your I parents. D- not. Well, I don't see I don't see a, a, a purpose for like collecting a, a sperm sample of the deceased person and then you know keeping it in the storage in case someone walks in and be like I'm looking for uh, you know and you list the characteristic and you are like oh we have a you have a great sample uh, right arrived just yesterday <laughs> but, more, but it's from I, yeah, a deceased sample there but like. There the, is ways of finding surrogates. It's not that difficult. Yeah, so. but I, I mean, to me, it again, I'm maybe this is like. It's a little bit. I think it's a little bit. It's like you 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 don't want that person. You don't want to let it go. You don't want you don't want to let mm. that person go. So you you maybe you feel that by, uh, taking by collecting harvesting this this sperm sample you can like keep them longer by the means of yeah. having a child with that person. That's that's how it feels to me. But again. I might be wrong. I would ne- I'd never have been in that position. And again, if if a child is born that way, then it it deserves it should be loved for who that child is and not yeah, who yeah. it represents. Like, it's, you know, it's, it's a born in a weird, messed up. But way it doesn't matter. It's it's not born in a messed up way. It's just born. But it should be loved for who that child oh, is. Oh yeah, and I not, know, but, but not but not for who that child should represent to the to the well 
mother, let's, okay? We, I think we can call that person a mother. Oh yeah, but, you yeah. Know, but, you know what I mean? Yeah, but I, yeah, I, but I. Because if you if you if you put, if you if you decide to have a child that way, but in your head you want this child to be a representation of your past mm. partner, then what if it's not? Are you still gonna love that child? If it's yeah. not gonna be, you know, that that your partner that has passed away. Yeah, I think you you should really. I think that per that person who decides to go on with that procedure should have there should be some sort of psychological yeah, check yeah. sheet. And in I place. do think the year, a year in in lieu or waiting yeah. before you can do it is a thing. Yeah. Is something that should be. Not definitely. to say that not to say that it's a it's a crazy or weird way of conceiving a child. It's just we have to make sure that this child will be loved for who that child is and not for the imaginary idea of that person. You know committing to a certain decision under an impulse or because they are mourning or or, or anything yeah. like that you know and i think this is a way more interesting topic than using sperm that has a 50 years on it like <laughs> yeah. and I, I really think that um a man should carry a card that's which that would be well, indicative uh, of it that this topic has been brought up you know between partners and they have discussed it and you, you know, and by that, card, so. I mean, you can, you can sign, you can sign some document, you can be on the database that, you know, you have, a, you can register for it. I'm sure there could be infrastructure built to facilitate uh, uh, these requests. And, uh, and I think, I think it should not, it should not be prohibited. I think it should be allowed, but it should be done very carefully. And uh, uh, the, the, the benefit of the child and the health of the child, both physiological and psychological, should always be of most importance yeah. in, in this decision-making process, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, maybe just to give some history. So it was in the late 1970s that the the first post-mortem sperm retrieval happened. It was in LA. And he it was this guy, Cappy Rothman, and he had been extracting sperm for men with infertility and then he got a, a um he would he, what did he 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 had experience in sperm retrieval and then i think within six months he got a a, a weird call where a, a prominent politician's son was left brain dead after a car accident and then he got a call from the chief resident of neurosurgery and they said would you be able to preserve his son's sperm so he was able to do it. There, at the, there was three options. Either administer a drug that would make the entire body convulse, hopefully inducing ejaculation, remove the male's reproductive organs and go looking for sperm or manual stimulation. So <laughs> he was able to go with the second one where he just okay. removed the reproductive organs. The other one's, I think, a bit extreme. Um, <laughs> and the first live birth resulting from a post-mortem extraction wasn't until 1999. And this one was like the woman gave birth from sperm extracted 30 hours after her husband died. So um, so the technology exists for successful sperm extraction from cadavers. Yeah. But then, well, yeah, well, it was 30 hours. They say that um, they advise that to extract and for, freeze a sperm sample within 24 to 36 hours of death. But it yeah. shows that under certain the right conditions is viable sperm can survive well beyond this deadline so if it's in cold areas mm. they can survive for much longer uh, do you think that 
and this is just this is just completely hypothetical something that came to my mind right now do you think a study should be set out where perhaps you would look for children that have been conceived through this method throughout a pregnant no no just a normal normal well normal just the father was alive during the conceivement okay. and but throughout the pregnancy the father died and okay. then and then you know the child is born fatherlessly and right. and just do some sort of a prospective hey, follow-up to see how how do they grow up yeah psychologically you know uh to be it would be clearly a, probably a social That's science or a psychological psychological mm -hmm. study just to kind of it. just to just to have a feel for how how a child might might grow up uh conceived mm, yeah it'd be interesting you know, you know what i'm trying to get at yeah 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 um because technically um there would be the same because but the only difference would be the dad would be dead before they were born yeah compared to dying during it like they wouldn't have known either way yeah um and is it, it is it, it even needed is it ne needed that sort of study to kind of just to i get don't know it doesn't seem like it like they're, they're not gonna die from <laughs> well they're not gonna die they're not they, it doesn't seem like they'll be any more at risk yeah um more psychologically but like that, how to measure that I mean. is the, the the difficult thing um so but i don't it, know it also it probably I would imagine that a lot of it has also like you know the environment you growing up uh, around you know all of these external factors that really yeah. mold you into the person that you become in your in your in your early adulthood you know but I wonder is like you know growing up fatherlessly without ever knowing your father like how how does shape you up and like I I genuinely ask ask this question mm. now how this how does this I think it, affect it, it, you because I, think I don't regardless, know regardless yeah I think in that situation that you propose and I still think it they're going to have psychological trauma from never knowing their dad yeah so it doesn't really matter either way whereas yeah. obviously having a dad that's alive even if you don't ever see him or you don't know who he is to know that he's there yeah is much more beneficial long term so um do you think it's a selfish of the partner to to do that uh like it's it's a tough one <laughs> uh, uh well today today you're not asking easy questions i have to give i have to give you that yeah like, you know, you're not um, asking you're not giving us easy topics like i know what you said imply the consent thing but like who's going to do that no one's planning to die unless they have cancer but isn't isn't like isn't that. that like a responsible thing to actually oh, think yeah, about it you know uh, maybe you, organ donation would include sperm donation i don't know but so far i don't think it does right no and i think for i think for sperm you would have to have a separate register mm. because it's too vague Look, and I, when I you, when it, you it, agree to organ don to organ donation, you might necessarily agree to to a sperm donation at the same time. I think it does require a separate. It would require a separate regist registry. But I do back to your question. I do think they should all like. It's hard to deny uh, a, a a widow the chance to have a child with with the uh, their husband or who their former husband or something. I do think. 
there has to be a limit I suppose maybe marriage will give more weight rather than yeah I just, don't think if you go out with someone for a week and that and yeah and, and the lad dies in the in the but they I, and the other thing was they said in Israel mm-hmm. implied consent suffices so a dis- deceased man does not need to leave a written document but his widow just has to say that she believes he would have give consent were he alive to do so and oh, I don't know if I'm comfortable with that the government even provide financial assistance the health state health insurance will pay for as many IVS cycles as needed to produce two babies <laughs> which is like crazy the Israel's relatively permissive policies have created a rather tricky situation it was reported in 2015 the parents of a combat reservist killed in training have won the right to have his grandchild but so like this is their their grand um their son died and they want to use his sperm to have a grandchildren to from it um i think that's that's a lot now uh and yeah they 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 won the rights to the sperm despite the fact that their son's widow refused to have his baby after his death and objects to his parents efforts and objects to his parents efforts to use the sperm themselves so that's like ah no that's that's that's, stop now that's invasive that's uh (laughs) look stop now that's a little bit too much but then again i'm I come from, like, although I do see myself as fairly liberal, I do come from a conservative uh, background. Mm. So maybe in other circles, did see that would seem perfectly normal that the parents seek a grandchild and they just want to get one for by all the means necessary. But that's to like me, more messed up because that, maybe, to me that I mean, sounds more messed up. up. But like, they're that's not their responsibility because they're gonna be. It's the mother's responsibility at the exactly. end of the day. They're not going to be able to, unless they, they can't look after a, they could get a surrogate and have the child, but like they're not going to be able to last. They're, they're going to be presumably older. Like they're going to be in. Who's going to look much, after the child? Yeah, exactly. So that's. A I bit. think the child health and benefit always has to be the mo- the priority in it rather than, you know, um, uh fulfilling some uh, uh wishes of of the you know in that case grandparents or whether it's gonna be a, a a partner you know it's yeah because at the end of the day you know you're actually gonna end up with a human being on your hands yeah 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 and and so that's, I don't know. that's a lot that's a um, lot um and then back actually to the question about the children some feel that post humus humorous Posthumous sperm donation should be prohibited in part because it creates disadvantaged children who will never know their biological father. But many children never know their biological father, even if he is alive. Um, what I, what one woman said, what I found hard to grasp was that I could have the sperm of an anima, anonymous donor, even one who is dead, but not my own husband. So... Um, and then a clinical psychologist said adults are making a decision to bring a child into the world with by definition a deceased parent because of adults needs and not sufficient concern is being paid to what is the impact on the child and she'd worry what the burden placed on the child created through loss that child can end up being what some people would call a memorial candle to the deceased person that child that's what i mean that child can feel that the person are looking for traits of the deceased parent in them and that they can feel beholden to do that. Um, and as this for is exactly evidence, what I said. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Well, it doesn't take... 
<laughs> and I won't say that. I won't take it. Doesn't take a genius to <laughs> figure that out. But okay, I mean, like, just don't <laughs> take this away from me, okay? <laughs> but you, you caught you didn't need a a clinical psychologist degree to maybe to I say have one. That. Right, keep going, keep going. <laughs> but the um, as for evidence, there's very little research on the possible psychological or health effects on a child conceived using sperm extracted posthumously. In 2015, an admittedly tiny study found that four children born from posthumously acquired sperm have shown normal health and development outcomes. We can't really draw a lot from four, but yeah, um, yeah, it's just again, it's 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 tricky one to know um, what's the right thing to do, but I think the the way things happen in the world is that uh this this will keep happening this post uh yeah it's it's, it's there now it's there uh, now I, I suppose it's banned in some countries i mean it's genetic genetically modifying babies are banned everywhere and yet they happened you know so yeah. you can ban whatever you want but if someone is driven enough they will they will find, find a way a around way. it so Rather, again, than banning things and making it prohibited and not allow, not providing a safe environment to do so, this just this procedure should be just uh, strictly regulated, and yeah. a, a, a a lot of thought should be put into designing this, uh, desi- crafting these bills, and how how everything should be um, carried out. It, and I mean it like it should be thoughtfully designed because. Yeah, you at the end of the day you end up with a human with a human being who's gonna have his her entire life ahead of them and you wanna provide the best future for them rather than keeping them as a what was it, a memorial candle for the deceased yeah. person. Yeah, yeah. So th- yeah. If, if this is already I think happening, there's no point stopping. Given it. thought to how they would handle it. Yeah. And I think there should be some kind of social care involved to be like okay is this person capable of yeah but like then they uh, yeah i I don't know it's like well if they're capable of going to get a a a sperm donor from anyone why would they need more special care if it's just a sperm donor from their deceased i think think that's why a a, a nice a nice big study would 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 Mm -hmm. help us to understand how these how these children perceive world and how do they how yeah. do they develop and what kind of a uh, I just think there is so much of the environment has so much to do with how a child grows up that how Maybe would you how would you correct for that from. how would you correct yeah. for that you know yeah 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 100% but again I'm a, I'm a I'm by trade a geneticist I don't really know much about how to design studies inside in the field of psychology yeah, so yeah. you know we just I think we just like spitball in here at, yeah, at best yeah, yeah. you know it's a quite complex and difficult topic that you well, have you brought would up. say sperm that can be used no matter how long you're I'm fine on board with, with I'm bored with that sperm from posthumously bit more tricky mixed yeah yeah and it's okay. definitely happened if it happens so i'm not gonna say stop doing it you know the it, the, the the can of worms has already been opened yeah and uh, you just need the proper regulations in in place and make sure that you know the child is the priority in here yeah yeah and i think that's a great way to end that thank um, you evan so you really I- stretch my brain here <laughs> get you thinking 
get you which what do you what do you think audience do you agree with what tom what what do you think do you disagree is it ever okay to yeah, use have a conversation with someone you 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 like talking to and and yeah. try try to suss it out what, what do you what do you think and how your views uh project against someone else's like you know yeah, yeah it's exactly. definitely interesting conversation to have so yeah you can let us know reach out to us on our socials if we can go on instagram skeptically inclined our twitter at skeptically i and you can always email us if you have anything if you want to give us feedback or questions or anything we want to look at yes. anything you want us to look at skeptically inclined at gmail.com skeptically with a c uh, so that was today's episode uh we had a it was a long one today um but we we uh talked about well tom give us the great overview of the male pleasure <laughs> points to love yourself um and then he gave us a lovely overview of um male contraceptive pill hopefully down the line i'll give you a quick overview of how the covid origin story has been shelved um mm-hmm. Tom gave us a, a nice overview appreciation of, of women appreciation. in science yeah exactly women in STEM Insane. and then I give an, uh, an overview of sperm retrieval posthumously and sperm being used like, there's no limit on sperm when you donate it so no limit on sperm on that note <laughs> <laughs> there's no limit what your sperm can do <laughs> don't let anyone <laughs> tell you <laughs> otherwise <laughs> be brave out there um, but if you if you ever like if you have an extent existential crisis you can uh freeze your sperm and who knows okay <laughs> down I, the line <laughs> we definitely reached the end of the podcast here we're 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 we're, uh, we're, we're getting delirious that's but it yeah thanks again for listening thanks for um thanks for helping us get to episode 50 definitely has helped yeah um and thanks tom for for joining me on this <laughs> evan i always Crazy. appreciate you my my very good very best friend but let's wrap this up because i still have to practice piano <laughs> okay on that note talk to you on the next one guys stay skeptical bye bye